Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. And uh, we're here recording. We're actually, I'm here. Vicky's there. Mm-hmm. Well, from her perspective, I'm there and she's here. I'm here. You're there. Yeah. I was um, here first. Re- yeah. Yes. Yes, you were. <laughs> um, recording remotely. And so, as in the past couple of episodes, we've kind of given you guys the disclaimer if you hear some weird, wonky things going on, we're doing the best we can to record. In good quality, but there can be some things that happen from, I mean, all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast through the wires and all that stuff. You know, demons like to get in there and stir up trouble and and things get cut out and, you know, all of that. So we're doing the best we can to give you guys the highest quality quality listening experience that we can. But um, the most important thing is that we speak the truth. And so we're going to be coming as always, from a biblical perspective, and uh, speaking from experiences on the sidewalk, stuff that we have uh, encountered ourselves, and just want to equip you guys. And so, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, we're uh, we're, we're speaking from our experiences or questions that other people have asked us, things that just kind of pop up in conversations. Hey, this would be a good podcast to cover. And this is this is in that same vein. And so we're, what are we going to be talking about today, Vicki? Well, we hear this all the time um, from pro-abortion people, from the moms, from support people. They'll say, why are you making them feel bad? Yeah. Don't you see you're making them cry? And they tell us that therefore we should be quiet because we're causing grief. Yeah. That we're causing guilt, shame, whatever. So... Uh, we thought it would be a really good idea to to talk through that because it's easy for us to fall prey to what we're accused of yeah. and to believe it. And I think it's really important, as always, to go to the Bible. The Bible is such a great guide, in, and it has a lot to say about what, what our speech should be, yeah. what it what it should convey, and even how we should speak. Yeah. So that's what we did with this this podcast. The kind of the working title is how we're how should we respond to women who say they are making us feel bad? Yeah. And so we've we've examined that from a biblical standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly we we hear a lot of things, a lot of objections to our presence out there on the sidewalk. One of them is, of course, you're you're making them feel bad. You mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a dad who will come out and say, you're making my girlfriend feel bad. I mean, I've even been threatened that, you know, if you don't stop talking to, to my girlfriend or my wife, then I'm going to punch your lights out because you're making right. me feel bad. There's a lot of other things that we hear that, you know, you're judging. Why are you judging? Um, yeah. Why are you guys out here trying to make yourselves look righteous? You know, it's mm-hmm. like you get all these accusations. And so mm-hmm. just, of course, guys, be prepared that people are going to accuse you of all kinds of things. And know ultimately what the source is. The source is the flesh, 
and the devil, right? It's the devil trying yeah. to discourage you. It's people in their flesh trying to defend themselves and uh, trying to make really an apologetic for why you shouldn't be out there, but it's okay for them to be there to kill their child. And right. so we, we can't let these things shake us, but we do need to consider what people are saying and mm-hmm. because we want to reach them. We don't want to just say, well, your, your concern doesn't matter and just ignore them when they say you're making me feel bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's good ways to respond, healthy ways to respond. I think one of the things that we've always said all along is that we want to identify with people's pain. We want to have compassion. You know, we want to suffer with them. And if they feel bad, we know it's because their conscience is what's bothering them. Ultimately, they feel bad because they know what they're doing is wrong. But there's a way for us to identify with their pain and to kind of enter into their struggle with them without just saying, well, you know, because you can respond. You're feeling bad because what you're doing is wrong. I think that could be Which an appropriate Which I have said. Way. It may not be the most helpful, but I have yeah. said that before. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think, again, like we've said oftentimes, your tone can, can mean a lot. You can say mm-hmm. that. And I think that it's appropriate to say that, mm-hmm. um, but kind of an accusatory tone is not going to be helpful. You know, you feel mm-hmm. bad uh, because you should feel bad because you're about to kill your baby. Yeah. You can say that more calmly. It's like you could ask the question. So well, why do you think what I'm saying makes you feel bad? Is it because mm-hmm. what I'm saying bothers your conscience? Mm-hmm. Is it is it possible? This is the question I would ask. Is it possible that you feel bad? Because you know God would never want you to do what you're about to do. Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess the the very first thought when we're encountering anyone questioning uh, how we're speaking to them is, well, what what is the overarching biblical principle of our speech? What what should our speech be? And I I did research that, you know, from a biblical standpoint. And yeah. I would say if I had to choose one word. For our speech, it should be edifying. Yeah, it it should be edifying, and and so I did a, a word search then of of verses in the Bible, of which there's zillions that talk about edifying, or the word edify or edifying are are in those verses, and we we go through some of them in an article which yeah. we will include with this. But um, the first thing I did was that's a word that that we hear all the time edifying because it's throughout the Bible. That right. is what our speech is to be. So I looked up, well, what does that mean? Literally in, in the, in the dictionary. And, um, it was pretty interesting. Um, so I, I wrote it down it, this was from the Oxford dictionary. I think that is a well-respected dictionary. Sure. I don't really know. I don't think it's as great as Webster's dictionary, but yeah. it'll do. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> what came up on the internet was Oxford. All right. So, um, so edifying originates from Middle English, and um, it's from the Latin, and I won't say the word, it's too hard, I can't even figure out how to say it, but build, or to make, like an edifice, to build an edifice of a building. Yeah. And the word originally meant to construct a building. It also means to strengthen. And so the the meaning of those parts put together means to build up morally. And how Oxford um, defined edifying was to instruct or improve someone morally or intellectually. So ed- to edify someone, we are literally building them up. We're um, 
and we're improving or instructing morally. Yeah. So, um, so that I think is a good beginning place. And of, of course, Oxford is not the Bible. Right. And, and so there, we would of course want to use our edifying speech as the Bible defines yeah. what that speech should be. And so, so that's, um, where I, I went through a whole bunch of different verses where the word edifying is used and, and wanted to be sure that we understood what the Bible says yeah. about how, how we should be, be speaking. So, um, the first one is Ephesians 4.29. Okay. Okay. And that says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Remember, building up is means edifying. Yeah. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, that, that gives a, a bunch of clues if in in what our speech should be if 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 we if we break that that down yeah um yeah you know i want to pipe in real quick because as we talk about edifying uh, to me the word to edify uh, of course means to build up and i think that word mm -hmm. has been applied at least in the christian circles as we're to edify each other Right. We're to mm -hmm. build one another up as fellow believers. And that's certainly mm -hmm. true. Right. Mm -hmm. We need to build one another up. We need to edify one another. You know, it, it says I think it's in First Corinthians chapter 12. It may be First um, Corinthians chapter 14, where Paul's talking about the gifts of the spirit and the use of the gifts of the spirit mm -hmm. in the church should be to edify others, not just to edify yourself. Right. So there's certainly the context for that. Right. That we need to edify each other. And listen, we're on the sidewalk. Let's build each other up. Right. Let's let's edify one another. Let's speak words that are going to encourage each other. But this word edification or edify doesn't just speak to encouraging, but it also speaks to like bringing people up to mm -hmm. where they need to be morally, as you said in mm -hmm. that that um, definition, that sometimes edifying words can sting a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anyone was was an edifier, it was the Lord Jesus. Right. And yeah. his desire to edify the Pharisees, he, he confronts them, right? He confronts them in their departure from the truth and all of that. The goal is, though, not to tear down, but to edify. But, of course, we know sometimes in order to, to build up, there, there's got to be pride has got to be torn down. So if you edify somebody, sometimes what you're doing is tearing down their pride but in this scripture where it talks about in verse 29 of Ephesians chapter 4 that we want to impart grace or speak in such a way that imparts grace to the hearer that we don't want to just give information. But we want to speak in such a way that, yes, we might be tearing some things down, tearing down some lies to bring these women or these men up morally to where they need to be to edify them morally. Um, but we want to speak in such a way that, that there's grace in it, right? And that doesn't mm -hmm. just mean we're nice, but it means there's empowerment. The word grace speaks to not just um, kind of like we think of this, this idea of, of you know, we're, we're gracious or whatever, so we're nice. But that biblical word, the word charis, I believe is the, the Greek word there, speaks of empowerment. And so we can speak in such a way where there's an empowerment in the words. And the words could maybe perceived to be tearing down, but the goal is actually to edify, to build up and to empower these men and women to do the right thing, right? Morally yeah. to make good choices. 
Yeah. What I was thinking of when when I first read the definition um, where the word originally edify is to construct a building, I, I was thinking about that. What makes a building well-constructed and strong? And absolutely the first thing that must be there is a stable and firm foundation. Yeah. And so if we're going to edify, I think similarly, the foundation of our speech must be firm and stable and it therefore it must be biblical yeah it must be based on biblical truth and when you find the moms and dads at the abortion center um countering us they their truths are not biblical at all they're they're often very selfish self-motivated um and corrupted and um that ephesians 4 29 tells us that we're, we, on the other hand, are to not let corrupting talk come out of our mouth. We are yeah. not to have corrupt speech. And so I looked up corrupt because I thought, okay, what does that mean, to have corrupt speech? And um, the verb corrupt means to change or debase by making errors or unintentional alterations, probably intentional as well. So in other words, your speech is corrupt if you're not speaking truth, if yeah. you're altering the truth to suit the hearer, and um, and we can't do that. Yeah. And that's what they're asking us to do. They're yeah, asking yeah, us, absolutely. don't feel bad, be silent, um, and what you're speaking is um, is just to make yourself look good or whatever, when indeed we are speaking what the Bible not only commands us to speak, but what the Bible does. Yeah. Say yeah. Ab- about what's happening there. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where, you know, f- from our perspective, as those who want to speak the truth or those who are called to speak the truth, where we need to really examine the motive of our hearts. Because mm-hmm. there can be a sense in which, and, you know, I think we can all battle with this, where we can tear other people down in order to build ourselves up. So, you know, for example, we see these women going into the abortion centers and in our hearts and our minds, we can think how horrible they are and we would never be like them. When in reality, what we're doing is we're tearing them down. We're bringing them down to a lower level than ourselves to make ourselves feel good because maybe we have our own struggles and things like that. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure that we're coming from a proper motive that we actually, yes, we're going to speak truth and yes, we're going to view things properly. These women that are going into the abortion centers, they're bound in sin. They're in rebellion to God. But so were we at one point. We need to put ourselves in 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 the proper place that we, except for the mercy and the grace of God, we would be right where they are in reality, mm-hmm. right? So that yeah. we can speak from such a way that imparts grace to the hearer. And we're not just coming across. I guess my main point with this is when we speak to these women, to these men, we don't want to be coming across as accusatory. Or right. like somehow we're better than them. Now, we're, we're accused of that. You, you think you're better than me. You think you're better than these people. You think you're better than, you know, the women or the men that have abortions. I don't, actually. <laughs> I know my own heart apart from Christ, and I'm far worse, right? Um, so I don't think that at all. We're accused of that. But we want to make sure we're not coming across and coming with a motive that lines up with that, that we, we do think we I, – I, Man, we should never think that we're better than than people who are living in rebellion to God because we, at one time, were living in rebellion to God. Yeah, so motivation and tone are both really, really critical. One of the things that 
is always in my heart. Well, I guess not always because I'm not in glory yet, but, um, but is, am I obeying God in, in what I'm about to say or do? And, and certainly, I mean, a great verse that talks about one of the reasons we should speak is Ezekiel 3, 18 through 19. And um, that verse says, if I say to the wicked, you will surely die. This is God, I guess, speaking. Yeah. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. So that almost sounds selfish that I'm just looking out for myself. And I'm not. I'm not looking at that part of it. I'm looking at where, where God is saying, if you know the truth and you know they're on a path of wicked rebellion and where that leads, that leads to hell. Yeah. It is not loving, um, nor is it um, really biblically allowed for us to be silent. Right. We are to speak. Yeah, to absolutely. Warn. Yeah. So part of that uh, that verse that I also was thinking about in the Ephesians 4:29 is where it says as fits the occasion. Yeah. So we're to speak as fits the occasion and I was thinking maybe you have some thoughts on that. My my thought was well the occasion is a baby's about to be killed yeah. by her own parents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and of course again the occasion is that we're standing in front of a place of darkness and a place of death. Yeah. But also, again, the reality that these are these are broken and hurting people. They've mm-hmm. been deceived by the devil to do something that no mother um, would ever in her right mind want to do. They're under a spirit of fear. They've been gripped by fear, fear of what's going to happen in the future. So that's the occasion as well. Like we need to take in the totality of the picture. Yes, like I said earlier, they're in rebellion to God. A baby's about to die, as you said. It's a place of darkness and a place of death. But these women, these men are bound by sin, you know, and and just like there's a balance here with this. Right. People are responsible for their sin. So we don't give people a free pass on uh, on rebellion and sin against God. But we do need to understand, too, that these people are blinded. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded their eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. They're under a spirit of delusion. They're believing a lie, as we had at one point. So we need to take in the totality of the picture. And I think that's why there's this, uh, hopefully what you're getting from me, guys, is there's this tightrope walk of walking in the spirit and speaking, yes, with truth, because we're supposed to. We have to speak the truth, but also with with kindness, with gentleness, as the Bible says. So can you speak harsh truths like um, you're about to murder your child and do that in a loving way? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can. The Bible says that we can and that we should. Um, But we ourselves need to be checking our own hearts. And if you want to do this, what I'm talking about (laughs) and thrive in it, speak with truth and with grace, some might say, um, you've got to be walking with the Lord. You've got to have your heart before God. You've got to be in the scriptures because Mm -hmm. it's a difficult balance. We can get we can get off balance one way or the other where. You know, it's 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 all truth and no grace, 
are all grace and no truth. And so mm-hmm. we don't want to be an all truth where you're just a bully and you're just beating people up with your words. And you don't want to be all grace uh, where all you're talking about is how much God loves people. Right. Yeah. There's, there's that yeah. balance there. And it takes us being in the scriptures, walking with God and each, you know, each other, holding each other accountable on the sidewalk there. That's that's important in this uh, in this conversation that we yeah. can encourage each other, that we can edify each other. By sometimes bringing some correction. I mean, I've been corrected before where I've gotten a little too in the flesh or whatever, gotten a little too angry at maybe a man that's come over and gotten in my face and he's you know cussing me out. And I want to, you know, just kind of stick my finger back in his face. So I've been corrected uh, on that level and, uh, and I've corrected people on that level. That's that's most of the time if we get off the rails, that's when we start to get angry and start getting in the flesh and get in you know, out of balance as far as just hammering people with the truth. Um, so, you know, for us as believers in Jesus and as fellow sidewalk counselors, we need to hold each other accountable and edify each other and, and bring corrective words sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know if you were reading ahead, but that's our next point. And um, <laughs> in a really good point, it brought up a couple things that I didn't mention in the article, but that I was thinking as you were speaking, one of them, um, the next, the next main thing that our speech needs to be is should equip others for the work of ministry. And that's exactly what you were talking about. But something that occurred to me as you were speaking about that balance between truth and grace is God knows what he's doing. And so often what I have found in the teams is that there is someone that maybe is more suited for speaking those harsh truths and someone else who balances that with maybe some more of that grace and love and gentle, um, compassionate side so that the team really becomes like a, a unified body, yeah. um, speaking towards those women and, and, and we help each other in, in that manner that, that we have different gifts. Um, I, I do think every one of us needs to try and find that balance that you talked about. But I do know, like if I were, as I think about my team members, there are some that I would probably characterize as more when hard truths need to be spoken. That's a person I, I really hope will speak up. And when there's someone maybe broken and needs a little bit more of a gentle, compassion, grace-filled approach, there are some that are really, really just suited for, for that. Yeah. But, um, one of the, the verse that I found that speaks of that is Ephesians 4 17. I'm sure there's many others, but that, um, our speech should equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And so I was thinking, okay, does that apply to when we're standing in front of an abortion center? And there were a few things I thought of. I'm sure you'll have some other thoughts, Daniel, but one of them, was that if one of us stands boldly for truth, speaking truth, it has an encouraging um, uh, effect on everyone yeah. out there. And it, I just, just as the same is true from the perspective of the moms going into that abortion center, if they're, and we've seen this happen sometimes where one will stand up boldly saying, Hey, this is wrong and I'm leaving and others will follow. Yeah. So when, when we, stand boldly um, and speak truth, it edifies our fellow counselors in that it gives them the courage to to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, 
it, it's just a common uh, human reality. Mm-hmm. When others are standing boldly, it gives us uh, the ability to stand boldly because we, we see we're not alone in this thing, right? So in, in contrast, let's say that someone asks that question, why are you making me feel bad? And our counselor or whoever is responding to that question says, Ooh, I'm sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to make you feel bad. Right. Yeah. Well, what that does that equip and edify the church? No, because it's not biblical. Yeah. We, we, so we need to know how to answer that question. We do need a response to that question. And I think the question, as we answer it, not only are we helping that mom, that dad, whoever is, is saying, Hey, you're making me feel bad, but we're reminding the church they have a role here to speak truth, yeah. speak it graciously, speak it in love, but don't shy away from the fact that that's what we are called to do. So. When we respond well to that question, I think we do indeed edify our, our fellow believers and um, and help to build up the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not called to have every answer to every question. Mm-hmm. Right. But we are called to be ready to give a defense for the hope mm-hmm. that, that's in us. Right. And I think that can include when we're speaking the truth in this context where when somebody challenges us, we can give a proper response. And what is the proper response? I think the proper response is kind of what we talked about earlier. And again, tone can matter a whole lot. But I believe what you've got written here, you know, when someone comes out, and a lot of times it's the man or it's a friend or something like that. It's very rarely the mom that comes out and says, you're making me feel bad. It's it's normally a friend or, you know, the boyfriend or something like that. You're making often me feel a, bad. Often a parent of a teen. I, yeah, I hear yeah. it a lot when it's a mom or a dad protecting, they feel they're protecting their, their teenager. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the response I think is again, with the proper tone, um, maybe she feels bad because she knows what she's doing is wrong. And you, you expand on that a little bit more in the article, but that's basically the premise and getting right. into the truth that like, do you, you, you do understand what's happening here. You do know that, She's about to take the life of her baby, and we're just here to offer help. We're not here just to make her feel bad. We're here to speak the truth to her. And so I might say something like that. Um, you know, I'm not here just to make her feel bad. But if she feels bad, maybe it's because what she's doing is bad. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably the Holy Spirit convicting her. Matter of fact, not probably. I would say definitely. Right. That's the Holy Spirit convicting her. It's because she knows that she shouldn't do this and she doesn't have to do this. We're here to offer help. We're here to offer hope and to say that she doesn't have to do that thing that she feels bad about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard you. I've heard many of our counselors say uh, in response to that question, if she were here having a tooth pulled, do you think there's anything we could say that would make her feel guilty or bad? Yeah. I actually did have someone say once, Yes. <laughs> Well, there probably are things I could say that might, sure. <laughs> but in general, no, you don't feel guilty about getting a tooth pulled yeah. because it's not a moral decision. I don't think maybe there are times when it is, but in most no, cases, I don't, I don't think, think so. having a tooth pulled is generally a moral decision, but this is abortion is a moral decision and with direct consequence um, to rebellion or obedience to God and, and, 
the Bible is clear. Thou yeah. shalt not murder. And that yeah. the unborn is a innocent, sacred life. Yeah, human life and should be protected. So um, it, I think it is really important to be able to confidently answer in that you're edifying many people if you can respond gently, kindly, but truthfully to that question. You know, you're obviously edifying the moms and the dads or the friends. You're edifying the pro-choice people. They They will often speak. They'll often ask this as well. But we're also edifying our, our fellow believers when, um, cause I, I think especially new counselors do sometimes think, ooh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to make anyone feel bad. Yeah. And yeah. we're, we're so often con, um, uh, accused of spreading condemnation and, yeah. um, holier than thou, self-righteous, yeah. judgmental, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I think that comes again in checking the motive of our heart mm-hmm. and the way that we carry ourselves. You know, people can, People can sense when you're genuine, mm-hmm. right? And even though they might accuse you of, you know, not being genuine, of having evil motives, they can tell when your motives are pure. And yeah. so we do need to check our hearts before God. And You know, the reality is our calling uh, to be out there is not to make women feel bad about their decision. It's to point them to Jesus. Now, we do know that in order for people to be like ourselves, right? We didn't come to Jesus until we felt bad for our sin. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, like there is this 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 modern Christian notion that the worst possible thing you could ever do is to judge somebody or to make them feel guilty. But I want to say biblically, guilt is not always a bad thing, right? Guilt is what leads us to the one who removes our guilt. The Holy Spirit operates. The Bible says, and this is what Jesus said. He says the Spirit will come to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Mm -hmm. Those are heavy words that we don't like to talk about. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit to those who don't know God. He says he comes to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Those who don't know God, he's going to make them feel guilty about their sin. He's going to show them that they need righteousness that comes through through Christ and that there is a judgment to come. So, you know, in a sense, we're not out there to judge people. We're not out there to make them feel guilty. We're not out there to make them feel bad. But if they do, then let's trust that that's the Holy Spirit's work. And that's what I will say, as I just talked about, maybe that's God convicting you that you know what you're about to do is wrong. And I might identify with that and say, I understand that. Listen, God convicted me of my sin. He convicted me of how I had gone away from him, away from truth, in order to bring me to himself. So maybe that's what the Lord's doing in your heart. Maybe that's what the Lord's doing in the heart of your friend, because he wants them to come to him and to put their trust in him. And so that's kind of how I would would view it and and how I would um, respond. Yeah. And I, I agree with all that. I, I will often say, I, I, you know, it, I think guilt is a blessing yeah. from God when I'm doing something that I'm guilty of. That is how he steers me away from that behavior. So we should, we should listen to that voice of in our conscience, that guilt. That is how God often tells us. Yeah. You, you need to turn from this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so 
guilt they're feeling is not coming from us, but it probably is a byproduct of us speaking truth that reveals the evil that they are contemplating. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's not our purpose. It's not our motivation to make them feel guilt. Our motivation is to speak truth. And then guilt should occur if yeah. if that truth reveals darkness and yeah, sin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another verse that I think is really important in how we should speak is Second Corinthians twelve nineteen. Um, have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking to Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. Why I think that's such an important verse is I think it tells us one of the things we shouldn't do in our speech, and that is to speak in a defensive mode. Okay. And what I mean by that, because I've heard this, that, and we've all done it, where we're under such brutal attack from the pro-abortion group um, that we we know their lies. They're often very personal. And so we spend a lot of our speech out there defending ourselves. Yeah. And I think that, in fact, sometimes more time defending ourselves than speaking the truth that might save that child's life or convict a soul bent on sin. Yeah. And so I think God is specifically warning us here and in other places about don't worry about defending yourself. That's not the point. Yeah. Um, God is our defender, first of all. And if if we're there, our duty is not to show that we should be there. Our duty is to speak truth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we have to be careful about being defensive and wasting precious time trying to defend ourselves as opposed to to trying to defend that baby with, yeah, with yeah. the truth of God. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I, I've said and I've learned is mm-hmm. that you're never going to be able to satisfy all of the questions and all of the accusations that pro-abortion people especially have. But even, you know, the friends and, and boyfriends that come over and just accuse you, they have no context really to accuse you. I mean, I've been accused of, you know, you, you're telling these women that they're murderers. You're telling these women that they're whores and things like this. And I'm like, when have I ever said that? I have never said that. Please, if you can show me a recording of, of me or anyone on my team ever saying that. Now, I, I would say that yeah, I agree. I've said that abortion is murder, but I don't just accusatorily yell at women. You're a murderer. I don't do that because mm-hmm. I don't think that's helpful. And mm-hmm. if they haven't had the abortion, that's not true. Right. They're, they're going to be. They don't repent. But that's just this is not how we operate. We don't operate in just yelling out just accusatory statements. And so. I say that to say that there are people that just want to distract you. They just want to make you doubt your calling. And it's really demonic, to be honest with you, right? They're being fueled by the lies of the enemy, accusations against you. What what is the devil? He's the accuser of the brethren, and he uses people. The Bible says that his, his spirit is the spirit that is at work in unbelievers, right? The spirit that's at mm-hmm. work in unbelievers um, to accuse us. And, you know, to accuse us of evil motives, that's why we need to examine our hearts. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged of God. So we need to we need to judge our own hearts and examine our own hearts. And once we've done that, we can have confidence that we're we're speaking out of pure motives 
and the accusations that come and the questions that come about why we're doing what we're doing and all those things can fall to the ground. We don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to defend God. God can defend himself, right? And um, and just you know, let them speak their foolishness. Right. You know, the Bible says you answer a fool according to his folly and you can become like him, right? We don't need to get in the muck and the mire of all these these things, like you said, not being, listen, we belong to the eternal God, the God who made the heavens and the earth. We're actually, according to the Bible, we're his sons and daughters. Yeah. So all the accusations that can come and all the you're this or you're that kind of stuff, that none of that matters in light of the fact that we belong to the Lord and he'll defend us. That's and, right. And, and That's right. it's, it's going to be very clear to these people if they don't repent when they stand before God that what we were doing, we were doing out of a love for people and a love for God. You're just not going to be able to correct everybody's misunderstanding right now in time, right? God will right. do that right. in eternity. Yeah. yeah, nor should you. It's it's yeah. it's not what you're out there to do, which kind of leads to what you said be- just a second ago about um, y- your motivation is you love them and, and you want, you're, you're seeking their good, honestly. And that that's the, the next uh, main point about what our speech should be. Our speech should reflect that we are speaking for their good. Yeah. And so Romans 15, 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build them up. Again, that build up is edify, to build them up. So, and I thought this was an interesting verse because I'd like to hear your take on that. So the first part of it, to please his neighbor. Do you think we're pleasing our neighbor out there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we are well, when, I in, mean, with our speech. I mean, if you think about it, when we're talking to a, a mom going into the abortion center, that little baby is our neighbor yes. and she is our neighbor, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're pleasing our neighbor. We're doing good toward our neighbor, you know, in, lines, in line with Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. We're opening our mouth for the speechless right. in the cause of all who are appointed to die, right? We're speaking on behalf of our neighbor. Um, now, that mom, who's also our neighbor, she's... She's the one that's going to go in, like we've talked about in the past. She's the judge, ultimately. She gets to say whether or not that baby lives or dies, unfortunately, in our society. Um, she's also our neighbor, but <laughs> she's put herself in a different position. So to edify her, to bring her up, like that definition, to bring her up to where she needs to be morally, we've got to speak some truth that's going to sting and that's going to hurt. But our motivation is for her good. Like, I don't want to speak to her the truth about her baby and the resources that are available and what God sees as what she's about to do is murder and and just kind of give her that information. And, and, you know, I want to give her that information so that she just feels bad. No, I want her to, if she is feeling bad, ultimately to come to Jesus. I, I want her to turn to the Lord. I want the highest good for her, which is eternal life. Yeah. As I was thinking through that, I was thinking, well, you know, honestly, do they feel pleased? With a lot of what I say, no, they don't, not initially. But I will say the ones that choose life overwhelmingly contact contact us at some point following that choice and thank us yeah. for um, helping to prevent them making the biggest mistake of their life. And at that point, they recognize our speech was to please them because really, ultimately, the speech is, is to please God. Yeah. Um, but but that verse is saying that that we are pleasing them for their good because that really is is the um 
the motivation. It is for their good that we're speaking this truth because abortion is, I think you talked in the last podcast about its ugly tentacles extend in ways that really so much beyond the death of an innocent baby that are often not revealed for decades and, and it's intergenerational and it, it just affects so much. So, um, for us to be speaking for their good has to be speaking the truth that this is wrong. Yeah, yeah. A a, a terrible choice. Yeah, because again, if we just uh, speak flowery words mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, you know, abortion's your choice and it's not a big deal and we kind of comfort them in their sin, mm-hmm. are we really edifying? I mean, in, in actuality, we're, we're tearing them down. Yeah. Because we're not giving them the truth about about their eternal state before the Lord. Yeah, we're speaking about, corruptly, according yeah, to the we're definition. We're, we're specifically altering the message to suit someone's sensibilities at the yeah. time and, and with yeah. regard to what, what the Bible actually says or what God has told us to do. Yeah, yeah. And if it may appear for the moment that we're building them up, like we're making them feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. In reality, um, it's like building a building with, with faulty materials, right? right. It's going to fall. Yeah. Because ultimately, the Bible is very clear. We will all stand before God and give an account for what we've mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is very clear, again, that those who love the truth, that we should speak the truth um, and we should confront sin. You know, Ephesians, uh, is it 5.11? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Like that's edifying speech, actually. We expose through our speech. And that's edifying, actually, even though it doesn't feel good to those who are in darkness. It, it's still edifying, right? Yeah. Because ultimately the goal is to, to really build them up, not on not with faulty materials, but with real materials of real truth that's actually going to, to be an edifice, to be a building that cannot be shaken. You know, the Bible says that he will shake everything that can be shaken. And these false comforts and these false notions that God's okay with whatever is it's a shaky foundation. It's a shaky building that will fall when when people stand before the Lord. You know, one of the, and I think this is our last main point, one of the dangers, I think, of um of really being gung ho about edifying, <laughs> which we should be. Um, but I've heard it I've heard many groups and people say, well, we're justified in righteous anger because Jesus showed certainly showed righteous anger when he overturned yeah. the tables, for example, in the temple. And and some of our other responses, we're justified in that. And um and so there are some some people that will uh, rationalize in my opinion it's it's rationalizing i could be wrong but um uh the anger level or even the name calling because you can biblically support that i mean jesus did do both but is that our goal and i and i think that we've kind of shown that that in most of the verses that talk about speech it it talks about edifying one of the um the verses that to me spoke to this last main point about being really careful about basically righteous anger and um and name calling is first corinthians ten twenty three um all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. all things are lawful, 
but not all things build up. Again, build up, which is edify. So not all things are edifying. We may be allowed to do it. We could even be biblically justified in doing it. But is it edifying? Does it build up? And um, I have never felt that um, uh, a show of great anger, especially if accompanied with name-calling, is edifying. To me, it just puts up a wall right away. And, and I lose the opportunity for any extended edifying speech. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we've got to operate in such a way that's truthful, but also gracious. Um, and even though, again, like the scripture says, we can justify it. I mean, after all, Jesus called the Pharisees snakes children. He called them whitewashed yeah, tombs. And so we can say he, he was calling them names. Right. Um, Jesus's motives were always pure, right? He yeah. always did what he heard the father. Uh, he always said what he heard the father say and did what the father commanded him to do. Uh, we're not in that state where we, we always perfectly hear from God. Jesus knew what to say at the moment. We, we don't. We have to do the best we can working through what we know. And so our, our default should always be toward grace and toward seeking to edify, t- seeking to build up, seeking to even you know build bridges with people and not to burn them. Right. Yeah. Um, and I do think, you know, as far as anger is concerned, the Bible says that the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. So we can justify our anger. Listen, if there's ever a place where we can justify being angry and getting in the flesh is that it's at a place where they're murdering children for money, right? That's a place where we could justify it. But we have to remember we're there to honor Jesus and we don't see the whole picture. We don't see the totality of what's going on. We have to do the best we can with the information we have and, and yes, speak the truth, but do it in a balanced way where we're trying to, we want to have conversations with the people going in. We don't want to just write them off. We don't want to just come across as, you know, being judgy or whatever. Um, And so, you know, I think, again, I think my charge has been all along, right? We need to be walking with the Lord. We need to be seeking him, seeking wisdom that comes from him. There's going to be times where we speak in such a way where it's going to come across as harsh and we've spoken out of a pure motive. We can't you know, walk on eggshells constantly and be mm-hmm. concerned constantly about how you know, what we're saying might be perceived. But we do need to consider that. I guess yeah. it's probably the best I'll say. We need to consider the way that we're perceived. But if we're speaking the truth and we're doing it consistently with scriptures and we're doing it out of a pure motive, um, I think God will honor that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And um, so I think to wrap up with this scripture... Colossians 4, 6. And, and guys, we want to hear what you guys have to say. Some of you have been serving on the sidewalk for a long time. Maybe you can bring some value to this conversation as we're talking about um, just kind of that balance and how we edify and uh, and how we speak in such a way that imparts grace to the hearer. Um, so we'd love to hear from you guys. Shoot us over an email, um, Daniel at lovelife.org, Vicky at lovelife.org. But I want to read this scripture that I think... Um, is a good one to end with, and this is the Colossians 4, 6 scripture. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Mm. Speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So <laughs> we want to make sure it's seasoned. We want to make sure that 
what we're saying is out of a pure motive that um, what we're saying, we actually want people to receive rather than just throw information out there. And uh, you know, ultimately, the goal is that, that Jesus Christ is glorified uh, yeah. above all things. And so just want to give you guys that encouragement, give you guys that charge. Again, we'd love to hear from you guys and hear other subjects, topics that we can cover. Um, I don't know, Vicki, you have anything you want to add just as we wrap this thing up? Um, just I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't catch this when I was thinking about that verse, but seasoned with salt. Um, salt was a preservative and, and yeah. kept um, things from being corrupted. So yeah. I think that's another, you know, call to be be careful that uh, your speech is not corrupted, that you are speaking without error as best you can, which which means scripture. Go yeah. go to the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Yeah. All right, guys, with that, we'll, we'll wrap this podcast up. We appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you.